you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 21 of the Speaking Club podcast. I think it's important to be truthful in your marketing and hats off to Elon Musk who's gone to great lengths to rightfully claim a Tesla car is out of this world. He says putting the car into space was to help the future of mankind. But I can't help thinking if that were true, Starman's visor would open up to reveal a yellow comb over and orange face. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Welcome to the show. Well, before we get into it, I just wanted to say, if you're enjoying The Speaking Club so far, please take a couple of minutes to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher or somewhere else. And uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe. Lots of great stuff coming up. As you know, this month is all about getting you more speaking opportunities. And today, Warren Knight is here to share how he uses different forms of speaking to build his brand and drive revenue and how speakers should use LinkedIn to promote themselves, as well as lots, lots more. Well, off we go. Welcome to the show, Warren Knight, former hip hop dancer, digital transformation strategist, author and international speaker. Woo-hoo. Thank you very much, Sarah. <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I know. It's, pretty, it's a pretty good bio there. So I, mean, I want to get straight into the important stuff. Okay, okay. How did you get into hip-hop dancing? Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, let's focus on the important stuff. I think, do you know what it was? Uh, it was just, we were a group of lads that had nothing to do. But we just started listening to, um, you know, various different styles of, of music, I think. And then hip-hop came out of it. Then we were watching movies like um break dance where you had like boogaloo doing hip-hop dancing oh, yeah. and moves and that and then we just i think then we decided to kind of go down to london for the day and then we saw a load of guys down at hyde park with some lino and a stereo we were like, oh yeah that's a brilliant idea let's come back and do that next weekend so we spent the whole week like you know watching tv looking at moves messing around and um and then it just kind of grew from there uh we are then we were, I was down in a club in Brighton, actually, on a Saturday night. And we, we watched these guys on stage, and they were, they were dancing, but they were in routines. They weren't kind of battling with each other. They just had this really nice energy about them. And then we got off stage, and we were like, right, we're going to battle those guys. And then they came over, and they go, oh, we've been watching you. Do you fancy coming and joining us in our crew? I was like, yeah, that sounds brilliant. So we were traveling around the UK, literally by the next weekend, um, promoting a drink called Purdy's, which was brand new at that time. And then I got spotted by a scout uh, for TV. So I started doing stuff on Dance Energy. And then from Dance Energy, I got spotted by scouts over in Europe and was paid to go and dance in clubs over in Europe for like periods of wow. time. Yeah, it was just crazy, you know. Um, so looking back now, when I talk to you about it and the journey that I went on, but when I, when I was in it and I was just a teenager really at that time, I was like, wow, this is fun. I'm getting paid to do what I love. And as I got older, I realized that makes me a professional. (laughs) (laughs) It really was quite, quite amazing. I did have a little search to see if I could find you doing any moves. I couldn't, I couldn't find it, but um, now you've got a little girl under one. 
I know. Are, are you mentally prepared now to move into the dad dancing realm? I think it's already started. I've done the whole like moving shoulders thing. And I was like, where's my rhythm gone? That was like, <laughs> oh, it was in my feet. I remember that. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. You've obviously got a fantastic, you've been on a long journey, you've done lots of different mm. things. And I know you've had a number of successful businesses. Mm. I'm thinking that the transition from dancer to businessman was quite a change. How, how did that happen? So what actually happened was, and it's quite funny, again, when I look back now, I think, why is it that sometimes with what I'm doing, and, and this is a challenge when it comes to technology and with working with um, organizations, is being ahead of that curve. And at that point then, uh, there was nothing around. There was nothing happening on a Sunday. We were like, you know, why just go out on a Friday and a Saturday? And actually, if you don't want to go out on a Saturday night, then maybe Sunday's the day that you prefer to go out. So then we saw a need in the market and we ended up running a club in Covent Garden in London on a Sunday. And then with the club, we used to have our own security. So he used to wear like a jacket with our company logo on. Uh And then we used to go out flyering and with our jackets on and other organizations used to say, oh, I really like those jackets. Can you get those jackets in our logo? And I was like, do you know what? Yes, I can. Then I went to the Prince Hugh Business Trust. I got, uh, did a whole business plan with them for, I think it was about six months, we went through a whole program with them. Uh, I got a £5,000 loan and we started our own uh, clothing distribution company where we were then producing uh, merchandise for various different brands that were around at that time. Um, AWOL, Dreamscape, um, I think Dance 93 was out at that point. And um, yeah, so then we started distributing the brand's merchandise in the areas where they've just been having their DJs, events and everything like that. Um, so that's how I got into the world of business. It was sort of dancing through to love of music, running clubs and then having merchandise and then setting my own business up at the age of 23. That's brilliant. So it's kind of the thread there is that you're spotting a need all the time and it taking seems advantage. To be. It seems to be, yes. Wicked. I know you've had some big success, but I know you've also had some challenges in business <laughs> that I've, you know, listened to some stuff you've done in the past. And I know that you, you, you count those as great learning experiences rather than, than failures. Certainly do. Based on that experience that you've had, mm. I mean, what would your, be your top three tips for people in business, whether they're sort of starting as an entrepreneur or maybe they're on the journey, they're still small. What, what would you say is the kind of things that you learned that they really need to pay attention to? Uh, okay. Great question. I think number one, always go with your passion. I think, you know, especially when it comes to the professional speaking that I do or the coaching or whatever it might be, you're going to be doing this every single day. You're going to be repeating yourself. You know, I I look at those uh, 1980s pop stars, you know, that are still singing the same songs that they were singing, you know, 30 years ago, whatever it might be. You think, how can you do that? You do it because you love it. So you've got to make sure that you're coming from a place of passion when you're wanting to you know, start your business or continue your journey because it's going to get hard and you're going to have your love for it. So I think that's the first one. The second one is um, be open to change. So whilst you might have a vision of where you want to go, there will be market shifts, there will be competitors, there will be uh, you know, uh, challenges. There will be guys that come into your company that end up starting their own business uh, after taking all that knowledge you know, from you. Whichever way you look at it, um, you've got to be um, always kind of 
sitting back and looking at the whole picture and thinking to yourself, do you know what? The journey that we're on right now, I can see it and we are feeling challenges. If we just kind of crab to the right a little bit, shift our value proposition and our tone of voice, then we can be unique in the marketplace when all those other people now that are copycats of us are now struggling and fighting with each other. So be open to change. Cool. Cool. That would be number two. And number three, uh, number three is build a team of people that are better than you at doing the things that you're not good at. <laughs> nice one. Yep. <laughs> and that for me, when I had my technology company, as you sort of mentioned earlier, that's uh, built into a million pound business less than two years, but then we had to liquidate that company. I always brought in, whether it was entrepreneurs, um, uh, people with a certain skill set, um, in investors that came into the business, board members that were coming on boards, whoever they were, they were better at doing something than me. I mean, even to the point with my technology company, I brought in a CEO to take over the business because that wasn't something that I enjoyed doing after, mm. you know, looking after the sales, marketing, team, technology, investors, banks, um, you know, going through SEIS to get that, you know, uh, cash into the business. All of that, you actually end up realizing uh, what it is that you love doing. And running a business and managing people was definitely not something that I enjoyed doing at that level. So I brought a CEO in to do it. So build a team of people that are better than you at doing what you're, you know, don't enjoy doing. And what, what, what was it that sort of stopped the company? Was there one thing or was it a number of things that happened? Cash. So t t two things, actually. Uh, when we talk about shifting and, and open to change, one of them, uh, the, the company was uh, an e-commerce platform. So there are a couple of companies out there that specialize in building websites that enable you to transact online. A couple of those companies got a huge amount of investment into them. I mean, we're talking eight figures investment into them. So that was one factor. And at that time, they didn't have offices in the UK. They were American and Canadian based. So, and then we found out they were looking at uh, opening up offices in the UK. So we needed to um, crab slightly. So that was one big shift in the market. And then the second shift was we got our first round of investment into the business. And this is um, uh, bad advice, I think, uh, that I took on board is that I took enough money into the business at that time um, to be able to last me for the next six to 12 months. Well, it was actually about nine months. Our, our run rate based on um, our cash flow was nine months. Uh, and on that basis, we'd put together a, um, uh, a journey of what we could build in that time. And ultimately, by the time we got to six months, uh, that wasn't finished. And then we went out to go and get our next round of investment, which was a seven figure sum of money. And then that journey took a lot longer than we anticipated. And by the end of the 12 months after I put my hand in my pocket again um, with the business, because I never drew any money out of that business for the first 18 months, I then realized that actually um, uh, I can't do this anymore. My future investors were fighting with my previous investors. Uh, there was no more money anywhere to be able to put into the business to keep this company afloat um, with my burn rate. So I had to make the decision where I sat everybody down. Um, I hired a, a room in a restaurant. I said, right, guys, if we can't come to a decision tonight um, in regards to the future of this business, then I'm calling in the liquidators tomorrow. Now, I'd already contacted them anyway because of what had been going on, but I just had to kind of 
get a full stop at the end of everything because I was burnt out. I was literally broken at that point and had no more energy left with me. My passion had gone because I'd got caught up in this web of um, people, cash and investment and so on and so forth. So I just made the decision to close that company down. Um, but making sure that everybody in the business um, ultimately still was looked after. Wow, that must have been, yeah, you always hear about these, the journeys that people go on and often sort of hitting rock bottom and then building back up again. Mm. How, how did you feel at that point? Was, you know, did you think this is just something, this is just a step along the way or did it floor you? How, how, how did you feel? I was flawed um, and lost. But what I did do, I didn't jump straight back into um, the world of business, shall we say. I, uh, I still kept my professional speaking going. Um, I still kept my training going during that time because it was still in the same, um, uh, same area of the target customer. So I kept my profile. My profile was still there, was still growing. And you know, within the UK market, if you like, I still had quite a high profile in, in my target market areas. And because of that, I was able to uh, look at what the opportunity was for me in the market. And at that time, there was a, a, an organization called Growth Accelerator, which was being funded by the government, which basically said, we'll pay you money to go and do what you love inside of organizations. And we've got those organizations that are looking for you, Warren. And um, so I was like, okay, this is quite good. And then um, I started a coaching uh, business grew that to six figure business in less than nine months. So then my energy had come back again, decided to write a book all about my journey over the last 25 years from, as you said, sort of from hip hop dancer to entrepreneur failed or success, whichever way you look at that. But um, tell a story around, you know, making sure companies are are thinking about, you know, digital first and how important it is for them to um, sustain the growth of their business in the future. Cool. And because you mentioned speaking this, I, I hadn't sort of cottoned onto when speaking came into the frame for you. So you were already speaking when you were, had that business, that e-commerce business. How did the speaking come about? I, oh gosh. Um, so just very quickly, my, uh, my nephew had leukemia, found out he needed a bone marrow transplant. They didn't have a match for him on the bone marrow list. They turned around and said to us that um, to, to, to go home with him because there's nothing that they can do. At that time, I was actually working with Disney. I was doing like a million dollars of sales a month. I was traveling all around the world. I was working in 30 countries. I was in and out of China four times a year. I was really enjoying life. And I said, well, if I could do that, then I can certainly do this. I can you know, go and find a bone marrow donor for my nephew. And that was the start of my speaking journey. I uh, got the opportunity to talk about our plight in front of a thousand people at a ball one evening and got up and spoke about it, uh, not very eloquently, I might say, but uh, I got the point across. And then after that, I realized that working with China and all the big corporates, as I was at that time, no longer connected with who I was as an individual because we went through this journey with my nephew for uh, about eight or nine months and after that I thought well I've been in retail pretty much all my life from you know the merchandise all the way through to working with Disney maybe if I take my now passion of which I'd found around social media because we were using influencers influencers to talk about our campaign and we're talking over 10 years ago now Mm. so I was working with influencers to talk about our campaign inside of Facebook and then 
I sat back and went, well, actually, that's quite amazing. What if I could get brands to use influencers to talk about their business to their community? Um, how amazing would that be? So at that point then, I went and spoke to Disney. And I went, Disney, there's this amazing thing called social media. Where you can talk about everything that you're doing online and sell your products online. And they just looked at me and they went, Warren, we're a corporate business. Why on earth would we want to talk about what we do in our business to the outside world when we have all of our third parties selling our products? I was like, no, 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 this is brilliant. And they were like, yeah, I don't think so, Warren. Um, oh, buy me. Yeah, so I went back to a retail trade show that I'd worked with in the UK and went, guys, I know this thing called social media. Why don't you give me an opportunity to talk to an audience? And you know me, because I used to show at the show, so let me come and speak to your audience. And they went, oh, yeah, all right, Warren. Yeah, social media, we've seen this thing, social media. Why don't you come and talk about it? And that's how I basically started. I used social media as my route to market in my niche area of retail um, to start my professional speaking career. Wow, that's again sort of ahead of the curve there. Really, really good. And and how does speaking fit in with your business strategy today? I would probably say it's at the centre of everything that I do, because it enables me to build my brand. It enables me, and it challenges me to make sure that I'm staying, um, you know, still ahead of the curve. So I have an event that I'm speaking at next week, and the sole focus for this event, and I spoke at this event two years ago actually, and the shift in the market over the last couple of years. But my sole focus about um, uh, speaking to this particular audience is all about how to do social media on the move. So how can we use our smartphones so that our, um, the actions that we take are part of our overall marketing strategy that connect into our digital marketing strategy? And when we're on the move, how can we be thinking about our customers? How can we be thinking about our value proposition? How can we be integrating what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis into our overall marketing strategy? So it's purely about using your smartphone um, and using social media on the move. Well, and, and, how, and what's your process for like preparing for a talk? Because I mean, some keynote speakers have maybe one or two talks that they do all the time. You know, <laughs> it sounds like you refresh yours and I guess you have to given the space that you're in. How do you you know, how do you work the process of your talk? How do you put it together? So I always like to, uh, I, have a, I have ways of listening to various different influences globally around the world. So I have groups that I've got set up inside of my Twitter account. Um, I have um, various different influences that I receive their emails from. I like to listen to podcasts um, on, on a regular basis just to, to listen to what, um, and some of these, entrepreneurs that you hear about i'm like i've never even heard of you and you're running this eight figure global business with a team of seven people that are all virtual you're like wow that is amazing i want to learn from you yeah. so by just taking uh, golden nuggets from all of these different areas enables me to paint a picture if you like in my style of presenting and put it together in a 45 minute presentation and what would you say, is, how would you describe your style of presenting? I mean, you're coming across to me, as, and I've had a look at a couple of your talks, but very authentic, very transparent. Um, are you a showman? How, what would you, you know, how would you describe it? Um, I think there's definitely a little bit of showmanship there. <laughs> Uh, because of uh, you know because of going from one stage now to another so there's definitely a little bit of showmanship there but I think sometimes the hard part for professional speakers 
is being authentic, engaging with the audience, making the audience, whether it's laugh or cry, but coming from an authentic place. So I think there's definitely a bit of um, showmanship there. But for me, my presentation, I always look at building pillars into my presentation. So I will always come from a knowledge sharing perspective. I will always come from a storytelling journey perspective. But inside of that um, process, I have pillars of engaging with the audience. And what I mean by that is I might start off uh, as like in a big movie. You might see them, you know, the cars come crashing in and they've got a big car chase going on. And then they, you know, and then they move to the next scene where it's all calm and you're learning more information. So um, these pillars that I have are, is always about making sure the audience is listening and um, re-engaging with you as a speaker and trying to get an understanding of exactly what that audience wants in that moment. So I've been known to sit down in the middle of my presentations and just sit next to somebody and have a conversation with them um, because it's so important to them to either um, realign themselves to what I'm talking about or to, uh, or to get a deeper understanding of what I just spoke about. So that's really important to me. So I build these pillars into my uh, uh, talks. So I, I know I'm going to come on to sort of social media and I, I know you say that um, people need to have a strategy for social media. I'm assuming you have a strategy for your talks. Is that, is that right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm a very visual person and that's just me and that's my style. And when I build like my online courses, I'm all about sticky notes and moving things around and, you know, making sure everything flows. Oh no, that doesn't work. Let's, let's try that. And, you know, training offline and online is actually very different and can be quite complex. But um, so I'm very visual in the way that I do that. So my presentations are very visual, but even though my presentations are visual, I'm not the type of person that reads from my presentations. Yeah. So I have to stand at my office at home and I go through the presentation and I understand it. And um, I, it's just it, the visualization because we're uh, uh, social media is very visual. I'm not the type of guy that just gets up and talks from the front of the stage without any visuals. I can do that. And I have done that, but I don't enjoy that as much as what I do. You know, when you put those visuals up, not uh, what I love as well is, um, you know, when you get your talk filmed and there are those visuals up on the screen and you're, and I've got a pillar of, of, of a moment where I'm getting them to, really think about their business and think about what it means to their business. You get the aha moment and then you get them grabbing their mobile phones, taking a picture of what's on the screen so that they can go away and take that and then take action on it within their business. And I, and I like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. So going back to that, sh that time when you said, let me do a talk on social media, was that your, <laughs> did they pay you for that? Was a free gig? A pay oh, it was a free gig. It was <laughs> a free gig. Uh, yeah. You have to do a lot of free gigs to understand for, from my perspective anyway I ended up having two different types of coaches one that was very structured and he was like right Warren you do this you do this and then you do that then you do this and you say these exact words and you do this exact thing and I'm like yeah that's not me however <laughs> I took a lot away from that and then I found a comedian who's a professional speaker and I was like okay right now you give me what you know now I've got what I've learned over there I confused the two of those together and then my personality, you know, um, came out. So by doing the free gigs enabled me to, um, you know, to understand me and understand how I engage with the audience with my personality.
Brilliant. Yeah, you can't beat a bit of comedy coaching, as she says. <laughs> yes. Stand-up comic. Yeah. Um, and how often do you speak today? Is it, you know, how many times a year? So um, I've, I've shifted my business model uh, because of my um, personal lifestyle now slightly. So over the last three years, I would probably say it was about anything from two to four times every single month. And some of those were paid gigs and some of those were free gigs. Um, but on the basis that at the end of those free gigs, I had the opportunity to re-engage with the audience again with a value proposition of a product or service that they might be interested in. That's, that's a brilliant segue because I wanted to talk to you about, you know, platform speaking and keynote speaking because people, I think sometimes people don't realize there are different ways of doing speaking and mm. even though it's a free gig there is if you have a product to sell there's an opportunity to make a lot of money there do you is. have a different approach when you're doing a keynote to a platform speech 100 percent, 100 percent. uh it's the, the the keynote for me is purely value driven so what what do they need um from the knowledge that i have that they can listen to and then take away and, and implement into their business the very next day. I say the very next day. So if you're talking about the SME market, you know, that's, that's an action that they can take. If we're talking about the corporate world, it's really about them starting the conversation internally to an action that might happen, say, in three months' time. So depending on your market and who you're talking to, there might be different actions that are taken the very next day. So um, if it's a platform, then there's an upsell and that's always transparent. And at the end of my talk, I always say, I've now finished. And if you would like to find out more about how I can help you with your business, then um, I have something that I want to share with you today. So I'm always, I, I don't sort of, I shift out of one and into the other. And I do that with all of my online webinars and, and talks. Whereas with a keynote, as I sort of mentioned, it is purely from, from, Point zero zero one seconds all the way through to the forty fifth minute and um, going into q and a um, is purely about the presentation and the value that it's going to give to the audience. Never at any point am I trying to upsell my services so it's about information and education in this keynote primarily well and, and inspiration I guess as well, but mm. there is that invitation on the platform um, and, and I guess kind of setting it up a little bit because I, I guess you have to sort of give them a, an idea of what's possible and then invite them to take the journey with you on the next step in those hey, Exactly. So it might be, um, how, uh, here's how to design a social media campaign. And so I would do a talk all about designing a social media campaign if it's a free talk. And then at the end of that talk, then it will be, okay, now you know how to design a campaign. I'm going to show you how to integrate it as a strategy into your overall business. If you want to learn how to do that, Here's an online product that can help you. Here's my time to help you, whatever it might be. It's very, yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a saying, they call it problem, solution, problem, I think, in these things. Exactly. Really. Yeah, give yeah. them the problem, uh, solve it, and then maybe just put another one out there. I like that. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm nicking that problem. Well, sure it wasn't problem. me. It's Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Walker. Okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> cool. Okay, so you mentioned webinars. Would you mm. class a webinar as public speaking? Okay, this is that's a very, very good question. They are different styles. Uh, I'm not going to name any names. And we have had a conversation about this. But I met somebody who I thought was wow, you presented amazingly. I love your niche. 
my audience would really love you and love your niche and you have a product at the end of it, fantastic. So come and join me on a webinar and we're going to present you and, and how you help companies to my audience. And that person came onto my webinar and the feedback that I got from my community uh, um, was that uh, he was, um, you know, spoke in a bit of a monotone, uh, you know, didn't really, you know, kind of uh, sound, uh, I don't know, there, there's various different types of feedback that came back. So, um, you know, I, I fed that information back to this person and I think that put them off webinars forever. And, and it wasn't meant to do that. It was actually just meant to kind of say, yeah, you are a great speaker from the front of the stage because you are visually looking at the audience and you might be more of um, a, an auditory person than a visual person. So when you do your webinars, all you're doing is talking to the screen and that's it. And so you need a different type of, of um, uh, skill set uh, or learn that skill set or approach to actually talking to your screen, but still coming from that place of energy and value and, you know, and presenting. So, um, yeah, that's right. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Keeping that energy up and that passion, <laughs> even though it's a webinar, it's, it's, it's a, it's a real big thing to getting, to getting a success at the end of it and keeping people engaged. Absolutely. It is. Right. It is. Brilliant. Okay. So let's turn now to the world of digital marketing. Mm. Um, you've got, obviously got your book digital first. Um, that's, you know, that's doing very well from what I can see. And, and that's where your expertise is. Do you, do you focus on one platform over another platform particularly? I think the, uh, when I first wrote the book and I included uh, a lot of different platforms, there's a whole section actually in the book um, focused on platforms around the areas of sales, marketing and operations within a business. And then I looked at the book again about three years later and I realized that a lot of these platforms, they've now crabbed and they're doing something different. Their value proposition shifted or they're no longer around anymore or other platforms have come out with far superior ways of communicating um, to help you, whether that's visually um, using artificial intelligence, you know, machine learning, whatever it might be. A lot of these new, a lot of this new technology, it had evolved literally in three years. So I pulled a lot of the old content out of the book and put lots of new content in it. And, and literally, um, I, I took out about 40% of the content and I expanded the book. So around about 60, 60% of what's inside of the book now is new compared to the first edition of the book. So um, there are different types of technologies that can work for you as an individual and as the size of your business according to what your goals are within your business. Because I know you talk about a disconnect between business owners and social media. Mm. What, what do you mean by that? Basically, the, the reason why and the passion that that business owner had at the start of the business to want to grow their business um, and the vision that they had, they, as I did in my technology company, I lost myself within the business and um, to coin a phrase, running around like a headless chicken and not, not staying focused on one task and getting that done and doing that really well, moving on. Um, the business owner, now with what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, um, compared to what their customers, the need that their customers have from that brand, um, there's, there's a disconnect there. The business owner is now not 
ultimately thinking about the needs of their customers because they're two or three degrees removed because of working within the business now, or they haven't done their research in the marketplace and the marketplace has shifted. Whether that's um, through buzzwords, whether that's through, um, you know, uh, uh, the way Twitter's now, you know, expanded to 280 characters, the way that things have shifted inside of Facebook, how Instagram stole stories away from Snapchat and, you know, integrated that into their platform and ultimately, you know, um, put their foot on accelerator and drove straight past Snapchat as far as users because of taking, nicking that one feature. Um, all of these things shift inside of technology and inside of social media. And if we as a brand don't in, understand and start using these new tools, then that's where that disconnect is because our customers are using them because they use them on a day-to-day -day basis with their friends. It is, it's a hard thing to, the, the landscape shifts so quickly and know a lot of, you know, whether you're a speaker with your own business or a business owner or entrepreneur, when, when they're starting off, just feel completely overwhelmed mm. by, you know, which platform to choose, how often to post, all that good stuff. And, you know, just generally understanding how social media can work for them. I know yeah. you're a great fan of automation. Mm. Um, how, what tips have you got for people that are in that sort of mindset? I'm like, I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do first. You know, what's going to work best for them? So I like to say, keep it super simple. Uh, you got to kiss. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you are just starting out on marketing automation, uh, it is a case of don't don't jump to the uh, the most expensive and what you feel might be the best piece of technology for you because of other people using it. So I, I used Infusionsoft inside of my business, but I didn't start there. I started with MailChimp. I set up a very simple seven day sequence inside of MailChimp. I set up a page on my website and I told my followers about this free um, uh, seven day social media um, uh, uh, giveaway and sent people to that page and just found out, just looking at the very simple stats that are inside of MailChimp, how many people you know, came to the page, how many people signed up, how many people read page one, and how many people actually bothered to open page seven, um, to, to, to day seven. So I started with MailChimp, and then I uh, evolved into ActiveCampaign, and then out of ActiveCampaign into Infusionsoft, just because of the way that my, my business model shifted over a period of two, three years. And I think that's, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people try and get things perfect from day one. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's, it's more about sort of building the plane as you're going along and starting and, and you know, doing something that works and then shifting gears as your business grows. I think that's, you know, because Infusionsoft is a big monster to a lot of people. I mean, so that's, yeah. that's really good. So start simple and build from there, basically. Yeah. And, and I have, like when I was talking about team earlier, I have somebody that looks after my infusion soft, you know, for me, because whilst I love designing the actual campaigns and the flow and understanding at what point the customer wants to take an action, what it means to them and, you know, how to add more value to them. I love that visualization of it, but I don't enjoy putting those sequences together. So I have a fantastic person who does love doing that. <laughs> And it's so for speakers then, because I mean, the speakers are taking their potential customers on a journey as well mm. from, from, you know, wanting to speak and then getting booked uh, and paid to speak or, or doing a platform gig to sell a product. Mm. What, what would you say is a, you know, which are the best networks for speakers to use or does it depend on what you're speaking about? 
Uh, LinkedIn for me has has hands down been you know brought me in the most revenue if we just look at the bottom line here um, it, by far it, it's it's been incredible so it is about building your personal profile inside of that platform um, again there's been loads of shifts there Microsoft have been they were they were fast to make a few small changes now they've been slow to make deeper changes and now they're starting to and filter down in regards to us changing the way that we use that platform. But for me, it's LinkedIn. And, you know, LinkedIn is, is your mini website. And that's the way that I want you to be thinking about this. Whilst you might have a website about your business or about your brand, this is you and your mini website. This is where you talk about what you're passionate about and also how amazing your customers think about you. You've got a great place for testimonials. You've got videos in there. Um, you can write great content. The content can go viral. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it really is. It's like a, it, it's an incredible social network from a business to business perspective. And that's what speakers are. They're talking to other businesses in your business um, to be able to help them with solving their problem and winning more business for you. So it never ceases to amaze me the amount of interest that I get through LinkedIn. That's, re that's a really good tip. I was listening to a speaker called John Acuff the other day, and he was almost talking about a LinkedIn renaissance. He's using it more and more. Mm. And I think he hasn't, you know, it's not something he's done as, in the, as much in the past as he is now. Is, mm -hmm. is that true? Do you think things have changed? Definitely. I mean, I've got nearly 20,000 people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, and I've got over 20,000 people that follow my content. Wow. So in one platform alone, you know, I have about 45,000, you know, pe people that follow me. Um, you know, for my content. So when you have that type of momentum and, and that really has only probably, I've had a hockey stick kind of growth around all that in the last 18 months, Wow. Uh, you know, with LinkedIn. So definitely it's, uh, it is the, the go-to social network, you know, learn it, understand it and um, make it work for you in your business. And that's irrelevant of what industry you're in. I don't care what anybody says. It's irrelevant of what industry you're in. Brilliant. So, so effectively, in terms of LinkedIn, then the, the thing is to treat it like a, you know, a, your website to make sure you get good content on there. Is there anything else, any other tips that you've got for speakers who want to, you know, promote themselves and use that as a vehicle to get more gigs, more paid speaking gigs? Definitely. So you need to be thinking about LinkedIn like Google. LinkedIn is an algorithm, just like Google is an algorithm. Everybody talks about search engine optimization, about your keywords and getting backlinks, you know, to your website, helps you, you know, write great contents, or write blogs, um, you know, be st tell stories, think about your keywords, and so on and so forth. That's the way people tell you to think about your website. So I'm kindly asking you to think about your LinkedIn profile in that way. Wow, because okay. remember, when a speaker booker, conference, event, whatever it might be, they'll go into, into LinkedIn search bar and they'll type in a couple of keywords. So whether it's digital transformation, whether it's HR, HR professional speaker, whatever it might be, they're going to type those words in. Now, remember, they don't know you yet. And what they want to do is they want to find that person who is active inside of that social network because they as individuals love networking and they're active inside of that social network. So if you have your keywords 
in your um, in your bio at the top. You've got it in your headline. You've got it in your um, in, in the subject line. You've got it in your experience. You've got it in your um, uh, 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 very different like kind of keywords. So you've you've got a repetition of who you are and what it is that you do as those keywords in your LinkedIn profile. And you must, and I'm going to reiterate this, you must have your profile up to 100%. Because again, because LinkedIn is an algorithm, if your profile is not 100% and you can't be bothered to get it up to 100%, why should LinkedIn be bothered to promote you? So get your profile up to 100%, have your keywords in all of those different locations, as I mentioned earlier, and then LinkedIn will start putting your profile up on the front page of LinkedIn when people are searching for your specialty. Wow, that's, that's brilliant advice. I, hadn't, I think I'm about, I think I'm just a few percent short of 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to check tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Really good. I've not, so positioning LinkedIn exactly in the same way as as your website so that linkedin will you know you'll come up in searches and that's that's really good tip thank you very much for that right okay so i've got some standard questions that i'm going to ask you Hmm. but before i move on to that is there anything else any other tips that you've got for speakers or business owners and entrepreneurs that we haven't covered off that you think they absolutely have got to know that we haven't talked about okay so i think the one the one biggest takeaway I think I can give you when you're looking at being a professional speaker is I only know one or two individuals that have a business that solely focus on being a professional speaker so what I mean is that 365 days of the year all they do is get up and speak to a room of people the majority and a large, very, very large percentage of people that I know that are professional speakers, they are a professional speaker because they have a business model behind them getting up onto the stage. So if you're going to be a public speaker that's going to become a professional speaker, make sure you have nailed your business model on the back end of your speaking. So in other words, make sure that you can make money from people that are interested in what you're saying once you've come off of the stage. If you have nothing to have a conversation about when you've got off the stage, then your time on stage, if you're not getting paid for it, um, potentially uh, you know, has been wasted for you. So have a business model behind your speaking career. That's brilliant. And I was going to mention that's a really good advice because and also, if you have all your eggs in one basket, and you know the the economy dries up, and you know people aren't booking speakers, you've got to have other income streams. I think, which is you know, something I picked up from your website. You've got quite good diversified income streams, and mm. I think speakers need to to think about that to secure their future rather than solely rely on you know corporate gigs or whatever, which could dry up. Really good. Definitely, t- it's not only that, but um, and I've noticed this inside of some of the speaker groups. I've seen so many of speakers that I, that I know that are true professional speakers and they've had to cancel gigs because they've come down with flu. Oh, yes. They've lost their voice, lost their voice for a whole week. Um, other speakers have um, you know, had unfortunate things happen to them and they've been hospitalized. You know, what happens to you then? Yeah. Uh, my online training academy is a source of annuity income for me. You know, I, I, I don't have to 
wake up in the morning to think about, you know, the money that's coming to my bank account because my online training academy is on automation and that brings revenue into me. So if I can't work for a month, I still have revenue coming in. Yeah, you, you have, have passive, build passive income streams alongside your speaking. Mm. Smashing. Brilliant. Okay, right. I've got some standard questions. Okay. What is the best thing that speaking has ever done for you? Oh, good question. Um, look at myself. Look at myself. I think it's made me uh, look at who I am, what I do. Um, I had a fantastic mentor that actually put it into very simple words. The secret of living is giving. Nice. Mm. I haven't heard that one before. That was mm. very nice. Nice. So it's basically opened up doors for your life. It has. It has indeed. It's made me look at me and my values. And then what's, is there been a gig that you thought, oh my God, that was awful. Or a, something that happened that you just like, you can't forget in your speaking career. Is it, what's your worst gig basically? <laughs> <laughs> okay um something that never happened kind of well it actually i tell a lie. it happened to me once and it happened um it happened to me once when i was a professional speaker and it happened to happen when i was actually dancing for prodigy so I, <laughs> and and i fell off the sides of the stage um i literally it was a dark stage it was just black it was black there was like strobes and everything going on and i misjudged it and i fell off the stage and i wasn't very well and in hindsight maybe i should have cancelled i really don't know but i wasn't very well i was slightly disorientated and i did exactly that um you know i kind of missed missed read my foot and caught the step and and fell over i mean i, I made light of it but inside i was dying you styled it out <laughs> yeah, I, did, <laughs> I did style it out I have to, <laughs> you were but, like and if you want me to teach you that move I'll yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah that 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 for me you know maybe in hindsight it should have cancelled but again from a value perspective people have paid or they've spent their time you know even more important you know they value their time to be there and listen to you the least you, you could do is turn up so you, you've got to be really on death's doorbed to do that and i know that from some of the other professional speakers for them to turn around and cancel a gig they really are on death's doorbed so um there was there was that one and then i got asked to speak at a library and it was a a, a library in, in an area that i know well and i thought okay i'm gonna do this and uh, my wife was pregnant she was you know we were nearly we were eight months and we'd already had one scare the week before being in hospital and i had a long drive i knew it was i gave them two hours of my time for free and uh i just thought you know what I, i'm 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 gonna go i'm still going to do it and when i got there it literally was because it was a library i think everybody was about over the age of 60 but all <laughs> wanted to be entrepreneurs and and I, I changed, had to change my style. The energy of the room is very different to what I was used to. Uh, and it was really, really strange. And I just, I walked away and I drove home. And I called my wife and I was like, oh, that was, that was horrendous. I didn't enjoy it. And, and then the next day I got this phone call going, Warren, you were amazing. They loved you. It was excellent. <laughs> I've got somebody that's recommended me like three or four times to speak at other venues. That I never even got a chance to speak to, you know, at the end. I made myself completely available to everybody and everybody had left. And I've had so much business from it. So sometimes you never know. It didn't help that you had someone telling you to shush every five seconds. 
<laughs> it wasn't so much the shush, it was the interruptions. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't understand. Can you elaborate on that for me? Oh, bless. <laughs> oh, well, you never know where gigs are going to come from. It is about do. referrals, absolutely. 100%, cool. yep. Now, last thing. So there's a book uh, by a chap called Napoleon Hill, mm. heard called Think and Grow Rich. Yep. And in it, he has this kind of fancy mastermind group. He does. I wanted to ask you, you can have three people, dead or alive, fictional, non-fictional, uh, that can be your mentors. Who would they be and why? Hmm. Good question. Gosh. Okay. So I would probably have, you mentioned like Jeff Walker earlier, you know, um, somebody like him. Um, there is a fantastic internet marketing I'm going to call him a guru probably going to hate me for using that word um but a guy called Scott Oldford um and he really is on the money at the moment you know he's he he's just got such an amazing story to tell and he's just um you know relentless in regards to what he's doing and learning and growing and and he has very mental so I'd, ha I'd have Scott I think from an internet internet marketing world I would you know have somebody from the business world but my mentor and i'll probably have him again actually so the mentor that i had isn't somebody that you would ever hear about you know it's not somebody who likes being at the front facing of the brand you know he just does all of his stuff stealth in the background so somebody like him or, or the entrepreneur that i the podcast that i listened to the other day i was like wow i'd never even heard of you um you know but i, I feel like i could learn an awful lot from you um, and so somebody like that, um, as, as my second person. And then I think, um, I think I'd probably have to have like a celebrity there, but an older celebrity. So somebody that has so many stories, like, uh, I mean, somebody like Sharon Osbourne, for instance, <laughs> would just, would just challenge you at everything you're saying and bring a story to the table and bring fun to the table. But, you know, is a business in her own right. Um, and understanding the way that, that, that they do things. Somebody like that, I think, would be, the, you know, would be my third person. Yeah, you've got to have a bit of uh, fun with, with the people as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on. Now, if people want to find out more about what you do, um, work with you, how, where would they do that? How would they find out about you? You can go over to my website, um, warren-knight.com. You can come and find me on Twitter, at Warren Knight, which I spent seven years fighting Twitter for. <laughs> and I finally got it, and I wrote an article all about how to do that um, and how to get verified on Twitter, and that's a lot harder these days. Um, and you can also come and find me on LinkedIn, so LinkedIn forward slash EN for English and then forward slash Warren Knight, but just type in Warren Knight LinkedIn and I'll appear. So those three places, you can come and find me. I do have uh, uh, Facebook as well. You can get Think Digital First. I've got Pinterest. I've got Instagram. Uh, I've got all these other different social networks. But for me, Twitter and LinkedIn really are my go-to um, social networks. Um, Brilliant. And I'll put some links in the show notes to that. And also to your book. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to go over to my training academy website called thinkdigitalfirst.com, you can find out more about my book over there. You can get my book on my Warren Knight website or my Think Digital First website. Find it on Amazon. Uh, just type in think hashtag digital first and, um, and it, it's available. And I have to say, that's another thing, a great source for me of annuity income. So passive income coming in from my publishers, you know, every quarter, I get a fantastic, uh, you know, check from them coming in from sales globally around the world from the physical and the digital version of the book. 
Well, thank you so much again for your time. I'll let you get back to um, your, your precious daughter. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, you have a great day, Warren. Thank you very much. Great. It's been amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Wow, what an interesting life. It really is all about spotting that niche and inserting yourself into it. Great stuff. Thanks so much as ever for listening to the show. If you want to up your speaking game too by adding in some humour, check out episode 19 and the online comedy course link for speakers in the show notes. Or there is also my book called Cracking Speechmate. Right then, if you're enjoying the speaking club and getting value, please leave a rating and review. And why not share it with other people? Also, come say hi on Twitter, at Sarah Archer 15 Would love to hear your suggestions or your questions. And we've got a cracking show next week. I've got Maria Franzoni from MFL Speaker Bureau on, and she'll be giving us the lowdown on speaker bureaus and how you can move your speaking forward. Well, until next week, you have a fab one, and don't forget to grab life by the nuts and get cracking. Hey, if you're listening to the show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires, and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.